0: Hey, everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, it's a Monday, so I'm dropping a micro show today. And those of you who have been regular listeners know that a micro show is when i it's not necessarily about a guest. Uh, usually I share insights, experiences, uh, things that I'm, ideas that I care deeply about that I want to uh, share with you, the listener. Uh, but today's a little bit of an exception. Um, we're using today's micro show to share with you. It, in fact, is a guest but this guest is more uh, to me this is a recursive, a self-reflexive idea that the the ideas that we talk about here in the show are they they work, they're material. They the th- this is there is a pattern here to listening to, following, paying attention to the people who are incredibly high performers. Uh, but that these things are available to everyone. The skills of, um, of personal risk, of awareness, of uh, fulfillment, the pursuit of your passion, that these things can come to life by simply doing the things that we see around us in our community. And that makes me want to introduce this, this, this micro show is about uh, someone in this community named Alec Cutter. Now, we've been hearing for a long time that you wanted to hear some of these stories of people in the community, and we've shared stories before. Uh, Babin, uh, Paul Ninsen, um, a few folks who basically started listening to the show and/or uh, Creative Live uh, and have transformed their lives and the art that they are putting out in the world, and. To create real impact, meaningful change uh, for themselves and and others. So, today's story, uh, I sit down with Alec Cutter, as I mentioned, and Alec was he came to Photo Week, which is a physical event that Creative Ho- Live had hosts ha- has hosted. Um, gosh, I think for eight or ten years running. Of course, took a break for the pandemic, um, and he physically attended and, and was on a panel where we we're asking. You know, people to share their dreams. And, you know, we made a plan sort of in real time on how to do that. And I was um, struck by Alex's story. Uh, and in short, he's from a, I don't know, small to mid sized town in Eastern Washington called Spokane and uh, grew up playing soccer and had a dream to be a filmmaker. And this is like months into his journey where I first met him. And fast forward, too. He has just made his first feature-length film, and not only did he make a film, but it is in uh, debuting in Tribeca. So, to me, this is not just a full circle moment. And you know, this is, the goal here is not to pat uh, you know us in this community, me personally, Creative Live, anything on the back. This is about just being a part of something bigger than yourself, being willing to um, be a part of a community, and most importantly, being able to put your dream out there in the world for this one precious life and actually do something about it. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy this story, which I think is loaded with, with not just the tactics, but meaning. Uh, and I'll let Alex share his story with you and, uh, can't wait, looking forward to hearing from you. And if you again, you pay attention to Alec and Alec and his work and, um, Gosh, I just—I'm excited for you. This, so I'm going to stop talking, and please enjoy the show. Give a shout out to Alec, and uh, and I hope you get some real value here. All right, one of the most powerful messages that you can hear are the three words: "It is possible." Whatever your thing is, whether it's it's music, fine art, filmmaking, building a business, nonprofit work, you can build a living, and more importantly, a life around that thing. Now, one of the most often overlooked aspects of success here not to mention a well-lived life is acquiring those skills that's why more than 10 years ago i founded creativelive.com this is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education bar none that's the reason that i'm you know on my soapbox right now is because i believe so deeply in it this is where again tens of millions of people have already learned how to take action and affect their life for the better. Again, to pursue their passions, to create a living and a life in an area that they would love to spend their time. In addition to classes around photography, video, art, design, music, audio, there's also things like health and wellness, mindfulness, meditation. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you're aware that I used to encourage you to buy a class to try and transform one aspect of your life, and that was like 99 or 149 bucks, say now we've moved creative live to subscription first so you can get access to more than 2000 classes for roughly the same price of a single class just a year or two ago an annual subscription is now just 149 dollars that's right that's a whole year what is that like 13 bucks for access to thousands of hours of super high-end learning content all for one simple price you can play annually or you can pay monthly, whatever works for you. Where do you do that? Go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. All right, that about wraps it up. Now let's get back to the show. Alec, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a great treat. And uh, I've been looking forward to this for some time and and welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Um,
0: Thank you. All right. So, uh, you know, people who are watching and listening right now, they just heard me uh, articulate briefly what today's show is going to be about. But for those who fast forwarded past that or uh, want a little bit of context, which is going to be dang near everybody. Um, tell us a little bit about your backstory, why you're here on the show and um, what, what you got cooking right now.
1: Yeah. So I'm a filmmaker. Based out of New York City and Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Um, but I'm originally from Washington State. And
0: many years ago, Spokane, Spokane,
1: yeah, born in Seattle, raised in Spokane. Um, And for those don't know, the Creative Live offices are in Seattle. And I had been a longtime subscriber and fan, big fan, and. Back in two thousand and sixteen, I believe it was when I just I was a couple months in of my career in filmmaking. and I was invited by yourself to partake in a little panel in which I spoke to you, and I think I believe three other or two other um, creatives. And that was just the beginning and from those words, and I've thought about them for so. Many years now, and now it's kind of been a full circle moment where um after a lot of lot of hard work, my first independent film uh, just had its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival uh, here in new york city. so it's and now it's that just happened about a week ago, and so it just <laughs> feels amazing, you know, to have this full circle moment and um before I move on, I just want to thank you so much personally and the creative life team for everything you gave me so many years ago really um and i'll elaborate on that you know as we move on but i just wanted to start with that
0: thank you so much alec i really appreciate it and again one one of my favorite one of the reasons i get up every morning and do the work that that i or we do here at creative live is because of folks like alec and your story and uh of a lot, of, there's a lot of success, a lot of creative life students or people that have been in our community for a long time, my personal community, uh, reach back out with these stories, uh, of success. And it, it always lights me up a couple of things stand out about yours in particular that we'll get to. Um, one, just this, the, the magnitude of going from like starting your career as a filmmaker that was like, uh, what we figured out like four years ago or something saying, I'm yeah, going to go. Or five, I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start being a storyteller and I want to make videos and those videos I want to make into movies and movies and then to have uh, a successful film debut at Tribeca. Like that is meteoric is the word that I would use. And I often try and what part of my job is setting expectations uh for people who decide to pursue their you know their precious or their dreams with this one precious life and that it's not always going to be up and to the right. There's going to be some hard stuff. So now that we've let the cat out of the bag um, and you've got your your film, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. It's called Nando. Um, but it wasn't a linear path, right? It, it you started at Creative Live in 2016 on that panel and, uh, and then everything was up and to the right. So I'm hoping you can start by telling us a little bit of a story of your journey, some of the hard parts along mm-hmm. the way. And uh, and a couple of the breakthroughs.
1: Yeah, um, it was. I knew for a long time I wanted to go into film. I had a deep love for film and storytelling itself, um, but I got a pretty late start. So I really started in twenty late 2015 or 20 mid you know early 2016, um, where I just took a short course and learned the very basics of a camera, and then. It was just that classic New York. And then I came out to New York and it was that classic New York story where I was sleeping on a friend's couch for months and working three different jobs, working at a bar, coaching soccer, um, and filming whenever I could. And I, I think you'll like this part of the story. I wasn't getting hired for anything because I didn't have a portfolio, which understandable. But in order to get a portfolio, I needed. I felt like I needed to get hired. Until what I did was... I just walked around Brooklyn uh, like at least once a week and walked into a random cafe or a restaurant and just started filming. And then what I did is they didn't even know I was filming. You know, sometimes I'd ask the bartender, you know, can you pour it or whatever in a certain way. And so what I did is I went home, I, I filmed in the cafe or restaurant, I went home, I cut together a 30 second social media clip for them that they could use. And I just cold emailed them, this video. And I said, you can put it up on any socials. Don't even have to tag me. Just put it on your Facebook or your Facebook video is blowing up at this time um, or your Instagram or whatever. And then sometimes I didn't, but sometimes they did. And then, so I was like, nice, I can link that to my portfolio. I made a video, a social media video for uh, you know, this little cool cafe in Brooklyn. And the first job I ever really got hired for, which is a salary job at a soccer social media company, was I got hired based off a bunch of cafe videos just because, you know, they said, you know, Oh, he can hold a camera. He knows what he's doing. So it's just, you know, let's, let's bring him in. So, but I'm just long way ago, long way of saying that, you know, without those and without that kind of start, um, obviously I would have loved to go straight into making films and, you know, talking about, I love soccer that we'll get to that, but I would have loved to start there, but you know, I needed a portfolio. And so that was kind of, the grind at the very beginning which had changed my life ever since
0: well I, I think embedded in that story is advice um and you did it sort of showing not telling this this the concept of here is what i can do and the way i like to talk about it is a a prototype is worth a thousand meetings and the same could be true for a, a portfolio is worth a thousand you know cold emails if you send someone work or give them work that you have done on their behalf or with their product or, or POV in mind not only is it endearing and inspirational and you know does it create a a, a relationship between you even if it's temporary or short-lived but there's a general a genuine Process that you went through to, to make a video that you sent someone that's actually doing the work. And so many people that I have come across in my, you know, again, mentorship or uh, even as I was coming up, this idea of like, how do you get, you know, it's a conundrum, right? How do you get hired if you've got no work? Because no one's going to hire, no one's getting, you know. So what you did is you basically self assigned a portfolio piece. And then but that portfolio piece had a built-in distribution in mind. Not always required. And most people, as you said, didn't take you up on it or some didn't take you up on it, but some did. And as soon as they do, you have something that has been out in the world on somebody besides your mom's and your channel. Um, so I, I think there's a huge lesson to be learned in there. Um, but I want to fast forward. So you get you get this um, you get some cafe gigs, and then you get a, a gig gig. Where you, on the back of making some of those videos, they say, Well, we need a social media dude, and the, this guy can hold a camera. And yeah. again, that's not, that is a far cry from making films that are in the Tribeca Film Festival. But mm-hmm. I'm sort of painstakingly unpacking your journey so people can. And to me, this is like meteoric. This is as fast as you can go from not, you know, not being a, a film expert to having a film debut in Tribeca is basically a few years, and is your. Trajectory. So let's unpack the next step. Then you have this other gig. Tell us about that gig.
1: Yeah, it was at a it was a digital media company that focused solely on soccer. I had a headquarters here in New York, and um, they brought me in. And I was quickly hired as a sh- shooter editor. But I think, and I can't speak for the people you know who are the higher ups there, but I, I got promoted very quickly because I think that I stood for something. And I think they recognized, like, as I came in, it was like, I love Brazil and I love the human stories of this game. And that's, I would spend my free time coming up with concepts for shows or, you know, series, that YouTube series. And I think they quickly took notice that, no, I actually had ideas as well. And it, it wasn't even, that wasn't even intentional. It was, it was a sincere, I want to see these things. And, I, you know what I mean? So then I pitched them because I really wanted to see them or make them and i kept you know filling the pitch deck which we had internally at the company and i was like 90% of the pitches were mine and they were all really about brazilian soccer which i can get into uh, i can get into that later and that kind of ties into nando but that has been a deep part of my heart forever and and so i kind of got known to be the brazil soccer like you know, uh, human stories. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No joke. You know, it's kind of an internal joke that it was like, of course, Alex kind of pitched something about that. But I do think though, that it, it kind of gave me a voice and it long way of it years down the road. When somebody came, I wasn't even working at the company anymore. Somebody came to one of the higher ups at that company and said, do you know anyone who knows Brazilian soccer? And they're like, yes, immediately. You know, and so then they put me in touch. And I wasn't, I hadn't talked to him for years. Um, But I do think that that was kind of a big, big thing for me. And not, again, not that it was even intentional of that's how I'm going to move forward. It was just a very genuine thing of myself. That's, that's what I want to make. And that's what I want to see.
0: So what I find with creators who have, uh, are trying to get off the ground is doing anything with a camera and making videos is closer to what you want to be doing than not doing anything. And so they end up saying like, "I'm a photographer," or "I'll just use photographer since uh, it came, it comes easy to me." These examples: I'm a photographer who shoots weddings, uh, but I don't want to shoot weddings. I want to shoot NASCAR, or I want to shoot you know pro basketball, or I want to shoot the you know extreme extreme snowboard championships, or whatever. But they get sucked into the making money shooting. I just use weddings as an example, but maybe it's you know portraits for the local, uh, you know, Boy Scouts or I, I don't know. But they get pulled away because they can make a dollar, and you know, five, ten years later, they end up just doing that thing and not being able to chase their dream. So, you were able to manage and to navigate that. How did you do it? And give me you know a little bit of detail in there because you know. Brazilian soccer, you know, you can look at your, your Venn diagram of your life and, and, and interests. You, you can oh, no. see just, just making videos and then making videos about, uh, uh, you know, working at the soccer company, and then you can see a very clear path to to Nando. But I'm wondering if you can share a little bit of insight on what that was like.
1: Yeah, I think it was a lot of... I, I The way... I think about it is I, I definitely stood for something, but I was not against working on, on other things, largely because of this. I knew that I, I care very deeply about the stories that I'm wanting to tell. And I want to be good enough that when I do tell those stories, that they actually mean something, that I'm not just adding to the noise. You know, I don't want to make something and have it be so hard. So I always took whatever I was working on. And I, I, it's, you get so much better you really do. It's just not that you have to forget where you want to be going and what you want to be ultimately doing, but I I could talk a very long time about not, I really don't want to add to the noise if I'm going to put, put something out there, which is why I've honestly waited a long time to even put out my first independent film. And I'm so grateful that it did get recognized in something like Tribeca, which holds to it, hopefully, you know, some merit that is some sort of quality. And, but that would have never happened without the patience and everything like that to get to that and in taking those other things very seriously, those, those cafe videos come through, (laughs) you know, and and all that. So it's that, that's how I managed it personally. Um, and I, I can get into, there was a big moment when I, they trusted me to go down to Brazil and direct and produce my own series, uh, within that company. I was not yet independent, but, and I went to like a prison, a high security prison in Brazil, the Amazon rainforest uh, telling soccer stories, but they're really not. I'm so drawn to the human aspect of this, of this game. And, and I can talk again, long time about that. um, But that's kind of how it, how that trajectory happened. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, No, that's
0: a perfect answer. And I think, you know, that's in putting in the reps and being there and making the cafe, cafe, cafe videos and the social videos for soccer and, then you, you get a break invariably, right? And that is, okay, hey, Alec, we got a, we got a big assignment, normally you don't give it to people who are as junior as you or have been around as, as, as few years as you have, but we can see you're hungry and passionate and good at your job, we're going to give you a chance. And mm-hmm. then you show up and you do the work. And I'm guessing, tell me if I'm wrong and if I'm right, then elaborate, that you worked your ass off on that trip. because you you were given a shot and you know that effort and time and commitment is going to produce a better result than wishful thinking so tell me I'm right and then tell me what kind of what kind of extra (laughs) above and beyond you did in order to make it successful your first crack
1: yeah absolutely was I they gave me we did it on a budget. I mean, I don't really want to say the number, but it was insanely low, especially for some of the other stuff that we were doing. First of all, I don't think that they thought I was going to be able to get into a prison and with an indigenous tribe and tell these stories. Maybe that's why they agreed to it at first, but um, I did know absolutely that this, there was, I had to knock this out of the park and that this would lead. And so we went down and filmed them and I came back. Absolutely. I was sleeping in the, the office here in New York, I was going in on holidays, you know, just cause I edited them as well. Um, wow. Wow. and so that was, I mean, same with Nando where it has kind of been my trajectory since not saying I want to do this for the rest of my career, but it was like a producing directing shooting and editing.
0: Robert uh, Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, man. <laughs> he does it all too.
1: I wish I wish. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was that end, man. I took, yeah a lot a lot of nights sleeping in there to finish these the first two episodes were the prison and the and the amazon rainforest and um unfortunately i mean unfortunately unfortunately, you can't see those hopefully yet because they got sold which was very nice and i'm still attached with those so hopefully that'll come up someday but um but that was absolutely a very very pivotal moment
0: well, you can't, you also, what I've, I I think is a takeaway is you can't actually control the outcome, but you can control your effort. You can control mm-hmm. your focus. You can control your passion, your enthusiasm, your willingness to do things that other people might not be willing to do in order to get the result. Your The stories that you shared about putting in the work, I don't think that's a surprise. Uh, I think that is expected actually the different difference between knowing the story and actually doing the work required to create the success that you did are different things. And I don't want to minimize that for a moment, but I do want you to tell us about some things that were hard, that were not expected, that did not go as planned. And that would be by all measures seen as setbacks. And the goal here is not to to uh, undermine your amazing success of late, but rather to add to it and to help people understand what it takes in order to, uh, to play through some of the challenges. So anything uh, go poorly or unexpected or uh, or has it all just been up in the right and, and uh, rainbows and unicorns?
1: Are you talking in terms of those initial things I filmed or with Nando? or just in general? Just,
0: just with, just in general, I think, again, most people think, well, as Brene Brown, I'll quote, she talks about gold-plated grit. Like, oh, yeah, there was some hard stuff, but isn't it awesome? My film's in Tribeca. No, I want to actually hear, like, what were some unexpected challenges that you've come on in a very short four-year film career now to be to, to wind up with a, a film, a successful film at Tribeca?
1: Hmm. It's...
0: I'm talking relationships, mm-hmm. I'm talking bank account, I'm talking like, you know, what are some of the things yeah. that you felt like you've had to, to trade or were difficult along the way and how did you manage them?
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of it was when I first moved out to New York to do this, when I was again, sleeping on my friend's couch for months, um, five months, I believe it was, At, oh, maybe even more. And working three jobs, and you know, just not. I'm thinking, you know, why am I out here? You know, I'm not getting, I'm trying, like, I'm trying the videos I'm making, like, especially at the beginning, they're not good, <laughs> you know. And so that was a very, very trying time. But the kindness of the people around me is my friend who let me do that. Um, having that sense of community. And I don't know if everyone, you know, is so lucky to have that, but I think you can maybe even find it in the creative life space with being around these other people who to push you go to go through. That was, that was a very pivotal, very pivotal time when I thought about, you know, maybe this, you know, you hear about people wanting to do this. I was really doubting myself in that time for sure. Um, and I don't think without the support of my friends and family and I don't think I would have made it out, but
0: you know, here you are. Yeah, yeah. So, was it hard to ask for support? Was it hard for? Was it hard to not have enough for rent? Was it hard to like? What are what are some of the specifics that you found hard? I think we can generalize, but Mm. was this a person that was close enough to you that you could ask to sleep sleep on their couch? And uh, what about the people? Let's just say family and friends who thought you were potentially uh, wasting your time by moving to New York. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, what about the naysayers? And th- these are maybe even people who care deeply about you that, you know, were just worried. And I'm wondering, if, did you have any of those instances that you had to manage?
1: Yeah, um, especially coming from Spokane, I knew no one in the film industry. <laughs> And so it was very weird for my friends, and I don't know if it was for my family. They they did a good job hiding it, but when I say I wanted to do this, it, it's not a normal thing you hear, especially coming out of Spokane. Um, and so I absolutely knew that it was an odd thing to do, and people thought it was odd for me to go do this when I had never mentioned it. I kept it pretty tight to my chest you know I'd been I played soccer at Gonzaga University and I never really mentioned film um and so it was very shocking to people when I said I'm going to be going into film um and my friend though who let me sleep on my on his couch um he was an actor out here in New York with his wife and a young kid as well and what I will say is that I hope one day I can give back in the way that, that he did. And I, um. if I was not a kind person to him, at least in his family, they would have never let me come in, you yeah. know? And I think sometimes that gets a little overlooked where I'm not, it's not just a means to an end. Like I truly care about him and his family and I, I, I can't speak for him, but I do think that was a big reason. I don't think he would have done that for very many people, but, I think he knew where my heart was at, and I think that's what you know I think that was a very important step for me to get in there. I don't know if, again, I don't know if that answered no,
0: this me. is the the not only does it answer the question, it highlights something that I'm specifically was probing for, and you absolutely just nailed it, underscored the sentiment that I was curious about, which is. What are the things that stood out in the people that are in your world that want to give you a chance and that wanted to, it's just like, and kindness and authenticity. And you were the Brazilian storytelling soccer guy. Like you can't make that shit up. You either are that or you're not. This is not something a uh, uh, an image that is crafted on nights and weekends in a notebook that you then... Put a face on and go out and do a thing. Like this is, it comes from a huge, real, important, critical, heartfelt, emotional, connected piece of you. And I'm just, you know, in hearing you talk about this and, you know, having listened to so many stories where that this actually matters, materially matters to the success, the outcome that most people uh, seek this one where you find a little crack and, and whether it's kindness and whether you're paying it forward or you're, you know, this is, it's, as you said, it's just your sort of your natural state. Like this matters. People do not work, want to work with assholes. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> are w- looking to connect with other like-minded people who are doing cool things. You can smell it. I've got yeah. someone on the show or I'm talking to someone at a, I come off stage at South by Southwest or some, Trade show, and I give a talk, and I, this person is like saying things to me, and I'm like, "Dude, go away until you actually come with some real shit." Because this is shit that you read on YouTube that you should be saying right now. And I understand that that those that's part of the equation, but it's not real. You're not saying real shit to me, and I know it because you can smell it on somebody. And this, this, you know, again, this is one of the things that I said or I alluded to early on in our. Uh, when I was, you know, the friend of the show here, something that you've got, like why feature, you know, Alec Cutter on the show? It's because you can. You, there, this is. There's real. There's. Jizz there. I, I knew it when we met at Creative Live in 2016. Uh, we were hosting a Photo Week, I think it was, and you were one of the panelists, and and we had some conversations then, and I knew there was something there, and by this idea of you can sense it, like. Whatever the it is, I'm not trying to be prescriptive. You you are doing you, and you've done it. So I'm going to shift now. Thank you for that. Thank you for no. Being thank you, you that so much for those. and, and sharing. You. And I want to I want to turn the attention now to your project to Nando, and uh, first go ahead and describe it. Um, everybody knows now that it's at uh, you know it's in Tribeca, and I just want to hear a little bit about how you concepted the film and uh, and why that film and not not something else?
1: I think it, it came from when I first moved to Rio de Janeiro like full-time in 2014, right after graduating from Gonzaga. I moved down there and I had no money, and so I was living in a favela. And for those who don't know, favelas are the ghettos and slums in Brazil and South America. And they're extremely they are a very harsh reality. Um, I was paying forty dollars for my rent. the The roof was leaking, <laughs> you know, it was community bathroom type of thing. But it was for all of that. The people in these areas are so incredible. They are to this day was the kindest, most heartwarming people. They helped me through everything. I barely knew Portuguese at that moment, and they were just so kind and took me in. Um, and looked after me, honestly. And so fast forward, you know, five years later, four years later, I really wanted to tell a story in these areas that more highlighted the humanity and the purity that is in these communities and specifically in the children that are in these communities. Um, And that again, I'm not trying to hammer on it, but for example, we had to pause or cancel production six or seven times due to shootouts happening between rival drug cartels or the police. And we just had to wait months then for the tensions to die down and, and all of that. So these, these rallies are very real, but man, underneath that, there's just so much beauty within these areas. And so I really wanted to tell the story about a kid and I knew that I wanted to to be through the lens of football, through soccer, which is such an important part of the culture down there. And for so long, it has been like the sport of the people. It is the melting – the stadiums were the melting pot of the rich and poor and and all of that. And now, um, unfortunately, much like other sports as well, it's becoming very – a lot of people are becoming alienated to even partake in going to these events. And so that is kind of like the underlying current of the film is that underlying narrative at least is there's a young boy in the Mangueira favela which sits, it's a favela that sits literally a three minute walk from the most famous stadium in all of Brazil, which is the Maracanã. And he has never been to a game, this young boy Nando, even though he lives so close. Um, and so the film is kind of about that, but again, it's really not about soccer football it is much more about examining what it how small their world is inside these favelas and what it can mean when he feels a part of something greater than himself which I definitely feel like football is the epitome of that in so many cultures around the world is feeling like you're part of this massive you know family and I can attest to that in so many various ways and but specifically, if you don't mind me telling a very specific story of kind of highlights, it. the kind of highlights how small these worlds are and kind of why I wanted to, to tell this story. We are, we f- were filming at the school where Nendo, where we found Nendo and, and I was letting the kids play around with my camera and everything like that. And I, I go home and I come back, you know, a few years later and the teacher she told me, do you remember that young girl, she's Nando's friend, who was playing around with your camera? And I said, yeah. And she said, the teacher said, yeah, she committed suicide about three days ago, you know, two days ago. And I was like, I was just shocked. And if that happened at one of my schools, you know, when I was younger, we would have had, you know, we would have talked about it It would have been a big thing. And, you know, I, I, I asked her, you know, what did you guys do? Did you guys, what do the kids think? And she's like, it's normal. You know, it's these kids, this has happened to many kids that they know, or, you know, many people that they know many family members that they know. And it, it just really took me back of that is what they deem normal. That is their world. There are, and she was telling me there's kids, in this favela, I've never seen the beach in Rio de Janeiro, and the beach is like four metro stops away from from the favela. And it just and so I really wanted to not talk about football for football's sake, but I really wanted to use football as a lens to show, you know, look what it means when he can feel a part of this world that's just beyond these harsh realities that he sees every day, and what what that can mean. And so, it really was never about football.
0: But. Yeah, it really strikes me the the value of belonging, about mm-hmm. inclusivity, about human connection. Um, did and, and you know, football, soccer is a fantastic vehicle for that because it it does in many ways transcend socioeconomic status, uh, orientation, geography. You know, there's a connection there that I think is is very real. We have this in common, this background of soccer. Um and you know frankly that's what the film is about and I don't want to give any more away about the film because I'm <laughs> encur- I want to encourage people to to see it and maybe you could put a plug for the film like what do you what's the best way for people to experience it because you know here we are um you know if you couldn't attend Tribeca um h- how do we want to steer people towards getting to know more of your work
1: I'll be posting a lot about it for every festival that we get into, we already have a couple lined up um, on my social media, um, which I you can tag however you want. Uh, it's just at Alec Cutter. But, Alec,
0: A-L-E-C-C-U-T-T-E-R um, for those who yes. are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And our next festival, though, is starts July 20th. It's the Indie Short Fest in Indianapolis. and But it, there will be tickets for streaming as well. So you don't have to be in Indianapolis, but if you are there, let me know, but (laughs) I'll I'll, um, make sure to to be posting about that and make sure people have the links to get the the tickets if they would like.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So now I want to go back to the acquisition of skills because at some point, you know, and and I want to be very clear. Yes. Creative Live is a company I started. Yes. They underwrite the show. Yes. But I don't care where you learn skills or where you find community or where you find your people or like, it it literally doesn't matter to me. But what does matter is that people understand the value of lifelong learning and understanding that, you know, for you, there was a transition at some point you went from being a soccer coach to saying, Hey, look, I want to start making films. And that was a total, you know, head bender, mind, mind bender for a lot of people in your world. The same, I had the same experience. I was an athlete and said, Hey, I'm going to. You know, be tran- tra- transition my skills into focusing on photography, photographing action sports. And for most people, it was a huge head scratch. And this idea of taking a turn to pursuing what it is that you want to do. So, you know, how hard was that? And then, B, what role did the acquisition of skills and repetition play in your success?
1: I think I can't disengage my past as an athlete with what I forced myself to do to acquire these skills where for better or worse, I had a very stern coach to put it lightly when I was younger, even when I was very young. And I really developed as I was playing soccer throughout my childhood, what it took to actually be good at something. I'm not saying I was even good, but you know, to at least to to reach a certain level, you know, Mm And I am always, I think what put inside me was a bullshit detector for myself, where it's like, I've, I've been capable of doing more work than I'm doing. You know, are you actually doing this work? Um, are you actually, which is really what forced me to go out and make those videos at the very beginning of the, you know, the cafe videos where it was like, you have, you can do something, you know, I I thought that, you know, it's like, at least you have, you have some hours, like, go, what could you do, and so, um, that was, that internal bullshit detector that I, that was instilled in me has lasted, and I'm constantly reviewing myself on those questions, um, we can get into this later, but there's a quarterly review, there's a quarterly review that a good friend of mine introduced into my life years ago, and I try and do it every. I do it every three months, and within those, it's just an honest questionnaire. It takes me a full day. It's a. It's quite extensive, and I would. I would love to show you, Chases. Please. Well, what is but, it? Where do
0: we find it? Tell this is your chance. Tell people. Uh,
1: I, it's not public. I. Always, it's just private on my Evernote. But um, I can share some of the the questions and things. But it really is professionally and personally, a review where I kind of take a step back. And there are questions, some of the questions are, for example, you know, are you a type of person you would want to hang out with? Or, you know, um, are you less of a dreamer now? And so I really want to try and take a step back and give myself that space. And there's questions about work ethic and and everything like that as well. But it's much more expensive than just work. But I do think that even those questions permeate towards myself being more truthful to myself. And so, and giving myself that time has been one of the most important things I've ever, you know, added to my life is that questionnaire and taking that time. Um, And so roundabout way of saying in terms of skill acquisition, I think all of those are, it's just the honesty with myself is if I'm doing enough work on this, you know, I don't, I don't know if that, I keep no, saying this, no, I don't know help- if that answer your question. No,
0: it, it's, but it's helpful. I think what what is coming through is that everything isn't certain. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, even you saying like, I don't know if that makes sense. like. None of this makes, you know, clear sense, but that's the way that life works. Like if you pursue something and you have passion about it and you're oriented towards it and you want to get better and you're asking yourself hard questions about the things that you want or don't want in this life, like to me, that's the, that's, this is not a conversation about how to get a film in Tribeca. This is a conversation about what are you going to do with this one precious life? And it makes me want to ask. Would your friend be willing to share this questionnaire, or is that something that that they're it's private and they want to monetize or something at some point? I'm, I'm not judging, but I just like even some subset maybe reach out and we can include it in the show notes or something. Yeah. People can uh, I can post on my social if that's something that this person wants to you know have get recognition for, or even if there's a half a dozen like whatever the thing is, just this quarterly review of self assessment and honesty and integrity, like. That's what it takes. The shit that people see on the internet that they're like, "Man, if my life was just like that." If you understood that it's very achievable for you, despite your personal shortcomings, despite your the relationship that you have with your parents or money or you know, there's we've all got all of you know we got all got stuff and we all there there are some of us who come from very privileged backgrounds and at the end of the day finding a way to slice through all of that shit ask yourself hard questions and do a gut check internally that's what this is about and your self awareness you know again I said I wanted you on the show for a reason not just because you are a successful filmmaker now in 5 years from 0 to 100 miles an hour but because all of these characteristics, this is what I'm trying to get across to the mm. listener right now. If you were listening to this right now and saying there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be, like what Alec has done, and the, you can just hear it in his voice, the way he's talking about it and the questions he's asked himself, the sincerity, the authenticity, and the the truth about are you are you still dreaming is mm. that's, that's the difference between Alec getting a film in Tribeca and you know, someone else deciding not to make videos for the cafe because it's beneath their talents.
1: <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I
1: could talk about that forever, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, 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 so we want to give some, some coordinates too. I think your story okay. is wildly inspirational. Um, we've talked about the film. It's called Nando. Uh, you've got some upcoming dates. Uh, you're, you're, Social is Alec Cutter, A L E C C U um, T T E R. Where would you? Where else would you steer people who are interested in learning a little bit more about you and the sh- and the movie and and your particular journey?
1: I don't know, Chase. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I think just that. I think that okay. that sums it up.
0: Insta's Insta's the best.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm trying to get better.
0: <laughs> no, but uh, again, this. Yeah. The goal is not to prov- provide some perfect, tidy little package here. The goal is, to, like, you don't have to have everything figured out. You started making videos, then you got yourself into filmmaking, and filmmaking got you into the, into the Tribeca Film Festival, and now you've got a bunch of other film festivals wanting to pick up your – and you're figuring it out. Like, this mm-hmm. this show is not just for the Richard Bransons and Brene Browns and and Damon Johns of the world. Yeah. This is, like – you, Your story is what people need to hear, uh, and I want to thank you personally for sharing it with us. I want to thank you for attending that uh, in-person event at Creative Live in 2016, being willing to be on stage. I think I grilled you. I asked you some tough questions. Um, and well, we had a great
1: conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I remember it very clearly, and I've got a picture here uh, of us on stage together that I'm looking at right now that I think very fondly <laughs> of. Um, so, again, if you could, you know, bring, a, bring us across the finish line here. Um, major takeaways, you know, what, what's going through your mind right now and where do you, you want to go and what are you doing to get there? Just a little wrap up for us.
1: I think one thing I absolutely want to say is that, you know, I felt very alone in this creation, you know, at the, when I was at this creative process um and to be a part of something like creative live if you don't have that I, again I grew up in a space where I'd, I didn't know anyone in film or you know even really in the arts not just film um not saying that's a bad thing or it just was the reality of where I, where I grew up but to even just have had that day at creative live to be around other creatives you know you just feel that energy and I I highly recommend seeking out these like-minded individuals, which will inevitably be either at Creative Live or somewhere else, you know, but um that was a massive source of inspiration and encouragement for myself to be around those individuals and to speak to someone like you. So I just want to end it then on saying thank you so much. And you know, I don't know if this film would have happened if it wasn't for yourself and creative live and all those incredible people who partake in creative life. So, you know, um, awesome. I just want to end it like that.
0: Awesome. Alec, thank you so much for willing to willingness to share your story, for being on the show, for being authentic and vulnerable. Again, those are things that stood out to me when we, um, you know, Look at the work and the trajectory of what you've been in. I want to give you a huge congratulations again. I call this meteoric to go from like picking up a camera and saying some putting something out there in the world, and then uh, to to watch it come to life in real time. It's been fun for us at Creative Live and me personally. And uh, congratulations! I hope you can enjoy it just long enough. Before you get back to work, because uh, I know the film festival scene is—that's—that's that's a lot of work and going and traveling and submitting and showing and um, just keep going. I can't wait to see it on the big screen uh, myself. And grateful to to be in touch with you, man. And thanks a lot.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right, everybody out there, uh, go check out Alex's work and uh, maybe think about doing one of those quarterly assessments where you're wondering asking yourself really hard questions and being real are you pursuing the things that you should be with this one precious life um and if not it's not a reason to beat yourself up but it's a time to change your behaviors to match your ambitions so signing off without further ado uh thank you mr alec cutter and uh signing off for myself until next time i bid you uh, adieu all right that's it for the show today but hey before you go i want to just make one extra point And that is, it's my hope, my goal, the reason that we at Creative Live produce this show, I've been doing this for 10 years now. The goal is to add value to your life. And my hope is that if you are applying these things, the things that you learn uh, from today's show or previous episodes, my belief is that you will get to where you want to go more quickly and that your life will be more fulfilled. So... If that's working for you, I'm dying to hear your feedback, whether that's in reviews on any of the podcast ep- or platforms that you listen or on social, I pay attention to all those things. Or of course, you can text me at uh, 206-309-5177. On social, You know, I'm listening to your takeaways and the guests that you wanna see on the show and recommendations for, for topics that we can cover in the future. And what I wanna know is that this is working for you. And if you want to put this to work, the concepts, I can't recommend enough that you check out a subscription to Creative Live. The way you check that out is go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. You can get a subscription for like, I think it averages out to be like 12 or something, 12 bucks a month <laughs> for 2000 classes. Those are always the next best steps in a follow-up to this podcast. So again, thank you so much for uh, being a part of the community here around the show, around the work that I do in the world thank you so much for paying attention and I want you to know that I'm paying attention to you, your work and everything that you're sharing out there about the show. So
1: thanks and I'll see you next time.